Hello friends, this is John Connor III of episode 108 of Shadow and Flame of Magic, the podcast, and we are going to review Dead X-Men number one. So let's get to it, to it. And this is Dead X-Men number one. Um, it's featuring the cast of the would-be X-Men team uh, that got killed in the third Hellfire Gala. Uh, that kicked off the fall of X. So that will be Frenzy, Prodigy, Jubilee, Dazzler, and Cannonball. Uh, and then the only surviving members were Sink and Talon, the order of uh, Laura Kenny. And now they're the Dead X-Men. And in this title, that I can only hope that once we do a relaunch, that this is the team that will be the new Uncanny or X-Men, as they deserve... To have a proper official team roster. And not just, you know, the cast of this title. Though this title is pretty amazing and I hope it sells well. Uh, the writer Steve Fox, who we love. Artist Jonas Scharf, Bernard Chang, and Vincenzo Caratu. And I wish I knew them well enough to know who, who does which pages. Uh, color artist is Frank Martin, providing a sweet continuity for the whole issue. And letter VC Corey Pettit, designer Tom Muir and Jay Bowen. And the cover artist is Lucas Warnick, uh, which is the cover of them coming out of the uh, graves. And there was two other variants. Uh, associate editor Lauren Amaro, editor Jordan D. White. Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sabowski and the X-Men created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, of course. So we have a handy recap page. Oh, and the cast of this book is those five characters plus Asomsky, or as we like to call her here, Rachel Summers. Few knew that the mutant nation of Kokoa was founded in large part due to Moriah Metagard, whose secret mutant power of resurrection allowed her to live out multiple lifetimes and timelines. Using the knowledge she accommodated to help Professor X and Magneto to establish the fledgling nation, when the truth came out, Mystique depowered and attempted to kill Mariah to prevent, preserve the timeline. But Mariah was able to flee only to realize her fleeting morality and a terminal cancer diagnosis. In a bid to stay alive, Mariah uploaded her mind into a machine body, turning completely against Kakoa and a mutant kind who she feels betrayed her. Mr. Sinister, upon learning of Mariah's power, honestly, it's like the hardest name for me to pronounce, made an engine of Mariah clones using the Mariah, Mira, Mara? clones as save points that allowed him to explore her plans over and over again. What he himself did not realize was that he was one of four clones made by the original Nathan Exus who programmed Sinister and the three other clones to pursue means of ascending to being a godlike dominion outside of space and time. Upon each of the four's attempts, Exus has harvested their success and claimed it as his own and has ascended himself to dominion status. Now, in a last-ditch effort to stop the dominion from ever forming the first place, Xavier has enlisted the help of the newly elected X-Men members who were recently killed at the Hellfire Gala. The fate of humankind rests in their hands. So in Rise of the Powers of X, Xavier hints at team he has, because he has Doug and Rasputin the fourth, and now we're being told he has at least six more individuals. The Treehouse, New York City, and we see like a completely destroyed New York City. 
the treehouse has been split in half, but still standing. And we see our cast coming out of a portal. And this art looks amazing. Like, it's super gritty. Um, there's lightning all around. And, of course, there's Prodigy, Frenzy, Jubilee, Dazzler, and Cannonball. Frenzy notices there's something in the air. And all of a sudden, we see all these vampire bats. Temporal location, Mario Engine 3.9. One month after Ileana Res Putin ascended to Lord of All Hells and Raz the Planet. And usually it takes more than just a silent magic appearance to get on this podcast, but we'll get on further along on it. And she is pretty much all, like, instead of a red Dark Child outfit or um, skin tone, it's all black. And, st- and still very feminine instead of monstrous. She still has her classic soul, soul, soul. a blonde hair, red horns, but very human face. And she has clearly taken over New York City and ascended to Lord of All Hells. <laughs> oh, and raised Raz the whole planet. So she is not to be messed with. And then she hisses, Who dares trespass in my realm? And Prada, she's quick to say, like, She's not here. Get us out of here. Get us out of here. <laughs> or he's like, Yeah, we're done. And Dazzler's the one who's like, Pull us out. Pull us out. Pull us out. Atlantic Coca-Cola, currently led, held inside the White Hot Room, and the X-Men all returned back. They're all relieved that they got out of there just in time. And then we're shown, and Cannonball freaks out because, you know, he's religious for being from Kentucky. And Rachel Summers is, or Ascanti, I'm never going to call her that. Though that is, like, in the f- Cable's future, the Ascanti mother is Rachel, so I should, like, I respect the title, but... You know, it's up there for Steve. I feel like it's not going to stick, but yet I know it's going to stick. I mean, Rachel's um, taking over. It's pretty much just her head with, like, flames all around it. So he's thinking it's a burning bush uh, motif. And Rachel's in the no place X. No, nowhere, no when. He's taking all of her focus just to communicate at a speed you've comprehended. The clock operates very differently in my neck. And so if they stay in any of these um, dimensions long enough, they're going to attract unwanted attention. But yet yeah, she's not able to keep yanking them in and out of dimensions. So there's wear and tear and they're limited on how many times they can do this. And then we get the controversial line from Dazzler. He's like, the Hellfire Gala already proved I'm not as immortal as I used to think I was. Don't want to test my limits again. Because Dazzler up to now, and pretty much since like Claremont's uncanny, uh, when Juggernaut knocked her out or killed her and she just came back to life. Dazzler can't be killed. She always comes back. Like um Willem Afton. But much, much better and a better singer. And thankfully for their sake, Prodigy's getting faster at being able to detect her, though we still haven't heard who the her is yet. Okay, and then and we get two great mission statements for what the book is. And I sort of love the idea of like Steve Fox being like, you want like a elevator pitch? That here it is. So, Prodigy gives it a shot here. All we need is one version of Mario who's not cybernetic, and I can lift the information we need to get Xavier where he needs to go. Mario's own mental map of her past. Then Rachel gives us the actual elevator pitch. Xavier has a plan to talk to Mario in her 10th life before her powers manifested, but we need the exact date, time, and location that happened. Oh yeah, now we see the actual shot in... Rachel is a talking burning bush, so maybe Sam was right to question it. 
He can't trust anything Mario told her him before her betrayal. Prodigies are best bet at getting to the truth, so no pressure, but the fate of our existence ever is on your shoulders. And that is the pitch. And then Rachel gives us our time, our restraints. I hate to say it, but we're running out of Mario Engine's pathways. Sinister only made so many of these monstrosities. If you don't find out where we're searching for on the next jump, we might be burp, burp, out of luck. Temporal location, Mario Engine 2.4, 15 years after the end of the Earth. And the heroes all land, the X-Men, and they're immediately um, running out of breath. And thankfully, um, they get teleported away, but we see some a cloaked figure from above who's not choking on air, so I wonder how that works out. And then they end up in space with Abigail Brand. And she has her own team of X-Men made of Blink, Random, which is random, Root Fire, which is the combination of Root and, oh, Red Root and Sunfire. So it would have been, oh yeah, so they both have, yeah, I was going to say Red Sun wouldn't have worked. So yeah, Root Fire is clearly the best name for them. Elbow Brand, of course, and Armor. And they are the X-Men. You can tell because they got the use of the fancy logo. It's fun recognizing that if Abigail Brand's running the X-Men, this is clearly not a good future. And we got to take a little moment to think about all the good futures we've seen. And most of them maybe not are the peaceful good futures, but at least the status quo of now, but the years in the future. Okay, X-Men, the end's a sort of a status quo future. Exiles, I'm sure, must have had decent ones with some conflict. Akanti born Orocco, the final mutant refuge. And Prodigy falls to his knees as he is just uh, absorbing everything. Uh, Jubilee's um, nice enough to explain his powers. Prodigy absorbs knowledge and skills from anyone near him. He used to have a Bunch of limits to place to keep his brain from meeting, melting out his nose, but he volunteered to remove them for our mission. So he's clearly picked up all the information from Argo Brand, and I imagine equal amounts of the same information from the other X-Men. So Prodigy provides the history of the Earth. Essentially, Abigail Brand wanted a war. Orcus pulled all of her strings. She started a war. Orcus in the b opening um, Bravo attacked everything and uh, killed like 92% of the population of the Earth, including the Avengers and all of Orcus um, were snuffed out in the, in the opening moments. And then Abigail Brands have been trying to hold everything together ever since. Armor wants to know they're here to fix things and Prodigy gets awkward about like uh and frenzies. It's like listen, we're yeah, you know, there's paradoxes and stuff and we can't reveal what we're here, but uh we have a mission, we gotta do it real fast. And then they're immediately under attack and the Phoenix is attacking the poor Akanti, and the Akanti, if you're not uh familiar during the brood saga, are uh Space whales, essentially, and if you are familiar with the Brood Saga, or haven't read it in a bit, uh, the space whales that are, you know, gigantic, like maybe planet-sized whales, and uh, Storm linked with one, so she had a canty body, but Storm's brain, and 
they are sort of like the planet from uh, what's that Disney movie Strange World and uh, you know where they have a inside you can you can exist inside their mouths or bodies and then there's also you're able to build on top of them as well and the phoenix are after the x-men because they have the last cache of the mysterium in the universe the lunar orbit just outside range of techarchy artillery and on my first read i didn't recognize who this uh naked man in a gold egg was but now that old dad's eyes are closer to it. I see he has a spade on his um, head. And so I know the club is Dr. Stasis. So who's the spade one? Okay, I was curious why I said Orcus pulled the strings and then Orcus was destroyed. But it was my old dad eyes. I should take off my glasses. But it's not Orcus. It was Orbis Stenarius, which I thought meant the name of a ship but this is the spade sinister otherwise known as orpus stellaris which was the sinister that or the nathaniel excess who went into space and he worked with or um orcus and his club companion uh, dr stasis and so that's who we're following now and Orbis wants the Mysterium for a final piece in his machinery because he also has a fragment of the Marcon crystal. So with it, imagine he can travel through space and time. Yeah, I was talking to Gabriel, so I don't know if this is... Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah, he is talking to Gabriel Summers, um, Vulcan in a glass tube, who looks like he's a skeleton. Then we cut back to Brand's X-Men, and they are fighting the Phoenix. And then Prodigy detects that Mariah is nearby somewhere, and so they just need to get closer to her. Um, Frenzy's being very um, practical, saying that they can't do anything to change this timeline. Like, once we go back in time, we fix it in a way, so nothing here matters. And so they're going on to their A mission, but the B mission is to, you know, survive the day. And then we see the Star Jammer, and Sunfire says... Come on, Abby, you started the fun without us, and we find the new cast of the Starfire or uh, Star Jammers, and it's Juggernaut without his helmet, Sunspot with Reed Richards' temples, Mercury, Hepzibah, of course, because you need a Star Jammer to represent Warbird, who says Captain um, Marvel, but with her event, Kurt Busiek warbird name and smasher who's the son of cannonball and the imperial guard smasher and their leader as confirmed by warbird roger that captain lockheed deploy in three two and when i turned the page i immediately was like well i gotta buy this comic now as we see lockheed in the captain's chair and he gave a order in his, you know, the flock's language. But everyone understands him because they're cool. And he sort of looks like the dragon from He-Man. The old ancient one. Oh, wow. I would have described him perfectly as a red dragon with a 
helmet on his head, and he's Granamir, which as soon as I heard, read it, I had He-Man's voice in my head being like, Granamir, and then the animation where he throws his head back laughing. And so under Captain Lockheed's command, which by the way, I immediately looked at Steve Fox, because I know he quit Twitter a while ago, and so I went to his website, contacted him, I was like, hey, thanks for... Um, including Lockheed, like, made my day. And he sent, he actually responded, which was fun, to saying, you know, you're welcome, and, you know, it was a pleasure sneaking Lockheed in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the series. And I was like, oh, And I'm tempted to send him another response, but I was like, hey, I'm pretty sure he's like, we're not pin battles. But it was, it was a nice, um, birthday surprise. And so then we see um the Star Jammers did blow up the Phoenix ship, so you're welcome. And then we see an individual flying down to the earth, um surface as Prodigy falls to the his knees. And we get a data page between Xavier and Rachel. No place transcript. Xavier, Charles, and Summers, Rachel, imprinted after the resurrection of the dead X-Men. You're sure there are mutants you want for the mission, Rachel? You told me this call was my decision. Are you second-guessing me before their eggs have cooled? I just expected a psychic ninja or tactically trained Canadian who would do anything for the cause. I must speak with Mara until, before she manifests her powers, given all that come to light about her. I can't trust that what she told me about her past is true. Obtaining the information directly in Mara's mind is crucial. Enigma can be anywhere. We travel into the past once. He'll be ready the next time. Has to be exactly right on the first attempt. We get one shot. I just want to be certain you know what you're doing. If there's even an intact biological Mariah mind left in any of Sinister's clone engine timeline, and that's a big if, and both times if is bolded, the window between Sinister making those dupes and the real Mario going full ghost in the machine was brief. We better hope the right butterfly beat its wings at the right time. I expected you to ask Elizabeth to leave the mission. I'm not fleeing my girlfriend to uncharted dead-end realities. Betsy can stay relatively safe and sound back in Britain. Besides, Mario will have defenses against a direct psychic approach. She certainly got enough experience hiding her thoughts from you... Prodigy is mission critical. His psychic absorption is passive. She may not be prepared for it. And you believe the others are capable of safeguarding the boy? We have no idea what may have developed in Exus's branching timelines. We witnessed just one firsthand and are still doing the fallout. Which, you know, it's like, screw this guy. Like, the Hellfire Gala X-Men teams are picked by everyone in the room thinking of who they want to be on the team and then majority rules, and the majority of people wanted this team. And now that I think of it, Juggernaut was also supposed to be on there, and now he's in the title. So all the members are here except for Sink and Talon. So, you know, Xavier continuing to be a jerk. Sending an off-the-charts powerhouse is too risky. The Dominion could sense apparent power signatures and figure out our play. Dazzler, Jubes, Frenzy, and Sam, they're experienced, they're committed, and besides, besides what? They're the X-Men. X-Men. And then Carol has found um, Orpus, um, Stellaris. Sounds like such a complicated name. Imagine killing 
Carrion uh, picked it. And so Carol tells him, because he's not scared of her at all, that uh, a kid on their crew, his dad died when you blew up Earth. His mom fell fighting for the galaxy, but he inherited both their powers. And he calls dibs on smashing your little toy. And so Smasher Ball, Smash Bar, Cannonball, Smasher, Cannon Smasher. Uh, we, we, there should be a better name, just Smasher Jr. But um, Joshua uh, buses through the wall. And then the X-Men are following right behind them. Uh, Jubilee's X-Men. I just assume she's the leader, though. I guess with Cannonball present, does he become the de facto leader? And Cannonball's telling them, all like, hey, we gotta do this fast because if Mariah dies, then this whole timeline resets, and who knows what happens to us when that happens. Which then Jubilee asks, is that too? Like, what, what about if we die? Ever think of that? And then we find out who the cloak figure is as they land. And Prodigy's like, um, I don't know, it doesn't hurt like it should. Is, is that bad? Oh yeah, because his um, breathing tube is a little cracked. And then there's a giant explosion, the cloak person falls, and we learn who it is. Moira McTaggart. What's left of her. And she looks very older. Um, she has some metal braces on one side of her head, long white hair. She's missing her left arm. And the whole team sees her, and Prodigy just immediately is like, oh god, there's so much, there's so much more than I expected. We get a great page of flashbacks of Xavier Mar kissing. Um, oh man, they're killing someone, but I can't tell Pyro and her are killing someone? Uh, Sentinels are attacking Xavier and Mara. Uh, Mara's talking to Magneto. Apocalypse and her. Oh yeah, so it's all for timelines. And Ryder's like, what are ye? And Prodigy gives the note. I, I got it. A full map of Myers past. All of it. And not just her 10th life. We can go anywhere, any when. We we can stop the Dominion before it's born. And so they, they just run off. And so they make the crucial mistake of being like, well, we got what we want. Leave her alone. Like, this time I don't matter no more. And they jump into a portal and they're gone. But we stick in this timeline as Mario finds the fragments of the McCollin crystal. Something I forget all about. Um, but it's from the original uh, Phoenix saga. And I know with it you can rewrite history. So she's essentially just going to absorb Orpus Stellaris' plan. Bran tells her to get away from it. But now she has all the pieces she needs. And she knocks Bran down. Brand's confused how she can even be alive. And then she reveals that she has all the pieces. She has adamantium, carbonadium, vibrium coating. She has Zorn's fellow's hack bit black hole brain. And now the final piece, a wee shard of Mysterium, the missing ingredient. Everything I need to cut a path back to my very first life. Start all over again and make sure Mara always wins. To be continued. And then there's Weapon M components. Carbarian Coil. This is an error down page. Harvested from Omega Red, who somehow survived the end of the world. Lost a few body parts myself, taking him down. 
but let's fuse right to my spine now. Make sure the weapon never leaves my side hurt like anything. Adamantium coated femur collected from one of Wolverine's corpse. Sure left enough of these around provides a sturdy base. Finally, Logan's good for something. Thin corn severed head. Thought I would get this pride off the weird old monk, but without it, I have no way to generate a black hole and reach past lives. Pretty sure his brother's still out there looking for me. Good luck, Boyle. I do like the word, the term Boyle. Vibranium reinforcements. Dug out gentles, gentiles remains. Wasn't much left of the muty once the strikes on Coca-Cola were finished. Needed vibranium to bind the weapon together. Glad I didn't have to hike it to Wakanda to collect. And then Mysterium, which is unchecked. Highly efficient radiation-proof conductivity, properties no one on Earth or the stars above could completely figure out. Near impossible to find, but I know it's out there somewhere, and I will find it. And that is the issue. And then we have Resurrection Magneto 1, X-Force 48, which I'm not reading. Dead X-Men 1. Oh yeah, so those were last week. This week, Wolverine 42, which apparently the Saber 2-4 is getting even more bloody and people are just calling it gore porn and I'm like well this is why I don't read X or Wolverine when Sabretooth's the enemy and then X-Men 31 which is February 7th so next week hopefully Shadowcate's in that title and then we just have next week's comic all set out Fall of House of X 2 which is the week after oh yeah so next week there's only one comic book or X-Men comic apparently and that's X-Men 31, so that's exciting. Um, hopefully it's more, more like X-Men 29 and not X-Men 30. Follow the House of X-2 on February 14th. Wolverine 43 containing the Saber 2-4, so And then Rise of the Powers of X-2 on February 21st, and also X-Force 49. So that should be our next three episodes, um, besides the back issue ones. Um... Which I should see how many 42 issues I have left. But yeah, so next week, X-Men 31, if Shadow Kate, Lockheed, or Magic are in it. Fall of House of X-2, same rules the week after that. And Rise of the Powers of X-2. But in terms of my uh, top 10 of 2024, I have this as the number one comic of the year thus far. And... I'm keeping track of a word document because I just now the thought like, oh, I should do something for like the end of the month to see which ones are in the each. Um, but no, Twitter doesn't. I don't know what would be the perfect way to show that, but um, maybe the blog post would be the perfect way of being like, here's the top 10 per month. Actually, maybe I would do that. I'd do that on the first because this is a quick post. And then I can make a fun tag for 2024 comics and then I can click that at the end and then I'll know what I was my favorite comics of the year. Though now that we're talking about it aloud, wouldn't the December books be the clear winner? Yeah. But still I guess I'd be curious to see what what comics were on the list for the longest time. For the longest time um so that's the issue let me see okay so i got 542 issues left so 
Um, <clears throat> I want to save one of those for the last week in December. But now I'm looking at my comics to review for the year. And with Man of Web coming out, I got two Spider-Man, or I'm sorry, Spider-Woman related comics. Though so they're both Jessica Drew starring. So, and I know she's not in the movie, but it's at least an attempt is being made. Uh, one of them is a bit of a cheat, and the other one's one of my favorite comics of whatever year this came out. Um, July 2023 cover dated, so let you do the work on that and figure it out. You can find me on Twitter at JackoSII or the blog at, or no, or the podcast at SNFWM. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter or YouTube at JackoSII and uh, Instagram for both those names as well. Though my personal one, I don't really update any time and <clears throat> the podcast only updates when I, um, do an episode. So, um, oh, oh speaking of the podcast or the blog oh man i'm all over the place i gotta work on my endings uh, i just posted my review of um x-men second coming very focused on the magic portions of it but kitty pride showed up in two parts but magic was also in those two parts so you know it worked out um it starts off stronger than I remember and then ends sort of forgettable like how I do remember. So, um, and then magic gets sidelined because one of the missions is to take out all the teleporters so they kill Kurt and then take out Iliana and force her into limbo and she gets hellbound as a plot device to find. And then I'm going to work on, I have another Twitter project. And then I actually I have two Twitter projects I'm secretly um, working on. But come Monday, uh, the recent one, the it's it's a two-parter. I'm building up a bunch of suspense, but once it starts, I will announce it here. Um, but it's fun, and then I guess it's really a three-parter. Now that I'm thinking about it aloud, and I'm just filling in holes about X-Men comics I should have read myself, but didn't really have access to comics. But thanks to Marvel Unlimited, I'm able to do all this back reading, so that's been fun. I'm still resisting any urge to read Inhumans vs. X-Men for how controversial it is and how it's not long-lasting effects at all. I, re I read one issue because uh, Mark Bagley was the artist on one of the ongoings, and I love Mark Bagley, but he was given an X-Men ongoing, and apparently I didn't even know it existed. And one of the issues, uh, of all the issues, uh, Magic only appeared in issue 10-ish, one of those numbers, and he drew her amazingly. I think she's in two pages of it. And I know I posted about it on Twitter like whenever I read it, and... <clears throat> And I was in the middle of the Inhumans versus X-Men crossover and did not make me want to read more of it. So there we go. 
So I was reminded next month is, and by next month I mean now, it's February. So I want to review those two Spider-Man, every time, honestly, buddy, Spider-Woman issues. And then there's four weeks, so, and I don't know, I'm I'm going to push for us to watch Man of Web in the theaters. Because it's a Marvel movie. We completely miss Aquaman, but I also never once went, hey, we should watch Aquaman. Um... So it'll be our first movie of 2024 in theaters, so that should be nice. And then maybe the other two weeks I'll knock out these 42 comics. And then back to back issues, which I was enjoying. So yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, If you would tell a friend to listen, we appreciate it as we try to get our numbers up. Um, I did hit 1,000 followers on Twitter, so thank you everyone for doing it. I did try to put a little bait out there, um, but I think one person liked the post and then no one else did. So I got nice followers. I love them all. And, um, but I don't have enough clout to start any, um, cause I don't know, there's been some fun stuff on it. You see this post, uh, post a, I show a witch or something woody or royalty and I don't know, it's just been fun. So and I have all these Lockheed images saved. So if I can put my boy Lockheed in an image and it applies, uh, I'm doing it. So, um, so yeah, so Twitter is fun. At least the circles I'm in X Twitter is fun. I should say, and specifically the shadow Kate Lockheed magic corner that I exist in is super fun. Sometimes I fall out of it. Every so often I'll like one too many DC posts on a Tuesday because that's what people are talking about. And I'm like, oh no, back to the X-Men. But these are the problems one wants to have. So thank you everyone for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.